This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We've got a lot to talk about today. I'll have Mark Craig on the show in just a little bit for our NFL Picks segment. Looking forward to that. Not sure if Mark Craig is still uh, licking his wounds after last week's Green Bay prediction of both Super Bowl and big win over New Orleans. Obviously, that did not happen. We'll talk to Mark about that just one week. I'm sure he'd tell us to R-E-L-A-X. John Marthaler will join us, too, to talk about the Minnesota United and the challenges ahead for that team. Still thinking they're in good position to make the postseason, even though they've struggled lately and have fallen below that level. Got a little history lesson. Fran Tarkenton, Vikings, 60 years ago today, burst onto the scene in the NFL. And history made, too, of a more recent kind when the Gophers and St. Thomas played in volleyball. But first, what did I miss? So I want to get into... The P.J. Fleck um, USC speculation for a little bit, just less in the context of do we think P.J. Fleck is going to get the USC job that was vacated this week? No, I don't think he is. I don't think there's much of a chance that he is. You've seen a lot of the names out there. That is a big-time program. Not to say P.J. Fleck's not a big-time coach, but I think that that will attract a higher, bigger caliber of coach, someone who has accomplished more than P.J. Fleck. And again, that's not to say he hasn't accomplished anything. What I want to do, rather than focus on the swirl of that, and Randy Johnson did a good job kind of breaking down where that situation is at in uh, in the Star Tribune. You can find that online, startribune.com. Um, this just feels so familiar, doesn't it? If you are a gopher or even just a Minnesota sports fan of any vintage Basically, you believe two things in your heart of hearts. One, uh, the refs are out to get you. Um, you. You believe that there is is not an evening out process in officiating over the years that Minnesota teams, particularly the Gophers, maybe the Vikings, have been harmed disproportionately by bad calls than they uh, than they have benefited from other calls. Um, that is one of the things you believe in your heart of hearts. The other thing you believe in your heart of hearts is that as soon as a coach of a Minnesota Gophers team has any level of success, they are going to leave immediately, and you need to worry about that from the moment they get hired. And I feel like that's happened with P.J. Fleck, right? Comes in with some pretty big credentials from Western Michigan, had a you know had an undefeated season before the bowl game, just a lot of success with that school. And then he comes in here, has an 11-2 and season in 2019, and all of a sudden you're like, well, there he goes. He's, he's going to leave for another job. And he said, no, I like it here. But, you know, he's also there's also this kind of push-pull where coaches are attracted to other jobs. There's other high-profile jobs, and they use these things as contract extension leverage. So what happens in Minnesota is people worry about this to the point that what, what they almost kind of seem to want, fans, is a coach who does just enough to be successful but not enough to actually, you know, get uh, get another job somewhere. I think of the Glenn Mason factor where he, you know, said he'd pick up the phone, he was constantly kind of looking and watching, but that never really was never really came to fruition where Glenn Mason left. He he eventually got fired after a decade. Every, you know, you, you can go through the laundry list, you know, you had Dan Munson, you know, flirting with other jobs when he was here. You had uh, you know, other other examples of that Richard Pitino kind of flirting with other jobs while he was here. Nobody really leaves. They could stick around and do okay, and then they eventually get fired. So what I would say is don't worry about P.J. Fleck going somewhere else, okay? I don't think he's going to go to USC. Maybe in three years, if he's done more here, something might happen. But maybe if he's done more in three years, this will be a program where he wants to stay 
long term, don't you think? Like, if this is a program, this is a Big Ten team. The Big Ten's getting bigger and bigger in stature as the as time goes on as a, as a Power Five conference. Uh, eventually, there's going to be like a Power Two conference, and Big Ten's going to be one of them. Why would you want to leave here? And why would you want to worry about that along the way? Worry about having success. Worry about um, you know having a program that can beat non-conference teams by more than five points, and you know can have back-to-back seasons that are really successful. So don't worry about this, and try not to worry about it big picture because this is what happens in college sports. Most of it is leverage, and I don't think this is going to go anywhere, especially with the USC job. Good history lesson in today's paper as well from Mark Craig. Sixty years ago today. The Vikings played the first game in franchise history, and they were hurting us right from the start, teasing us right from the start, routed the Bears 37-13 in that first ever game, got everybody's hopes up, and then went 3-11 the rest of that season. Um, Kind of sets us up for kind of the franchise history, right? The good followed by the crushing bad. But go go read that piece by Mark Craig. Good stuff from on, on Fran Tarkenton and just other issues, other pieces of that history in today's Star Tribune and on StarTribune.com. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, Go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to have back on Daily Delivery, Mark Craig. We are doing a weekly picks segment. Mark does it for print and startribune.com. We're going to do it on Daily Delivery on every Friday show as well. Mark, uh, I don't think we did all that great last <laughs> week, but then again, I don't know a lot of people did. I was dead wrong about Green Bay. I thought that would be a, a walk for them over New Orleans, and they lose by 35. We both thought the Vikings would probably beat the the Bengals, um, that didn't happen. I mean, it could have, but they, they certainly didn't play great. Um, statistically, give me give me a little bit of the rundown of some of the odd statistics from week one and kind of just your overall thoughts of what you saw on the field. I had an email reach out to me with the, t- the tagline, thank you, and I said, thank you. I want to thank you for your picks. I thought that was nice of him. Then he said, you made me a lot of money. I just picked all the teams that you didn't. <laughs> Was that kind of week? Uh, I went eight and eight straight up. Uh, but the, the underdogs, you know, these stats are out there everywhere. But the underdogs went twelve and four against the spread, which That's is amazing. One record. Nine of those teams won outright, and f- uh, five of those teams won on the ro- um, on the road. So um, it was, uh, you know, you look at Tennessee and what uh, Arizona. Arizona, I picked as a surprise team in the NFC going into the season, but I didn't think they would go to Tennessee and just, you know, destroy the, the Titans. Obviously the Packers, they, they go into Jacksonville and they're playing a, a home, basically a home game because it's all Packer fans and they get destroyed. I mean, that, that to me was the biggest shock. It might be, that might hold up as the biggest shocker of the season. Uh, if the Packers turn it around, but you know, some people are picking the Packers to win the Super Bowl. Michael, I have no idea. You know, what- <laughs> <laughs> that might've been you last week. Yeah, yeah. And then my other, my AFC champion was the Bills. So uh, I stupidly, one of my survivor picks, I took the Bills. Uh, I should know as an old Cleveland guy that the, don't count the Steelers out. Um, so, uh, you know, that was another you know, big win, a big loss for uh, people who thought the Bills were going to, you know, be a Super Bowl team. So uh, uh, if Sid Hartman was still around, he'd be saying right now, it's a crazy league, Michael. 
He, he would, and Mike Zimmer would say, um, with of your picks. So other than that, it's been great. Yeah. Um, it, uh, yeah, it was, it was, a, how much of that do you, and we'll get to week two here in a minute, but how much of week one do you, I mean, week one's probably kind of unpredictable every year, right? Cause these teams haven't, you know, you don't know what the off season changes have meant. Really. We've gotten a peek at it in training camps and preseason. How much do you think this year in particular, those influenced by, you know, shorter preseason teams kind of approaching it a certain way. And especially like the Packers and Vikings who, you know, especially the Packers who didn't have Aaron Rodgers much of this off season and the Vikings who kind of, you know, went into the preseason trying to keep a lot of their guys healthy and not necessarily, you know, really ramping up so much for the regular season. Yeah. You mentioned that you get a peak in the preseason. Well, you don't anymore. Uh, you just don't, I think Tony Dungy was saying that you know, after all the penalties and everything, I don't know if he was referring to the Vikings game, but, uh, you know, coaches might have to rethink how they handle the preseason. Uh, but then again, you know, you look at the Vikings and the only skill position player that they really had out there in that last one, other cousins, you know, is lost for the season when Irv Smith goes down. So I, you know, I know I don't envy these guys walking that, that uh, fine line between, you know, getting a team ready and, and the fact that this game has become just every time someone steps on the field, they get hurt. Um, I, I would say that um, they might need to think about playing a little bit more. You look at the Vikings. I thought the, the run defense was excellent in the first half and horrendous uh, from about the two-minute warning when they ha- had that quick three and out. The Vikings offense had that quick three and out into the second half. Well, that's because these guys, you know, they're playing in 90 degrees and uh, they haven't really ramped up for the season, and you're going to see that. So. Um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, week one is strange because we don't know anything about these teams anymore. It's uh, everything is basically either they don't play or everything is so bubble wrapped. Uh, I mean, how would you know anything about the Vikings de- offense if Dalvin Cook is standing on the sideline? So uh, their problem was the fact that they couldn't stay. They couldn't stop twitching whenever, <laughs> you know, for these false starts, the five false starts. I mean, in that first half, how do you judge a Clint Kubiak? whenever everything's third and 26. Yeah, that's a good point. It's so that's, you know, kind of gives you some guidance for week two. You know, you don't want to overreact to week one, but are there, are there opinions that have changed for you as we get into some of the specific games and specific teams based on what you saw in that first week? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the Buffaloes, the, the green Bays, I mean, it's, it's not panic time, but, if I'm if I'm the Packers, I'm thinking, you know, what in the world just happened? Um, and you know, they'll write the ship on Monday night against Detroit. Um, you know, that's a it's a good time to have Detroit at home on Monday night football for them. Um, you know, I, I think I'm more encouraged by teams like Arizona and, and the Steelers. You know, we, we, the Steelers being written off early um, is is laughable and. <laughs> You know, so I think and Seattle, uh, Seattle going and going into and winning on the road. Um, another team that people were kind of saying, well, maybe they're going to fall off. Uh, you know, you rethink some things just because it's was such a weird week. But uh, you got to look and see, like over the first four games, if things level out. So with that in mind, with as we think about week two, are there particular games you have circled on a schedule? I think I want to get to a lot of NFC North games. I've got a few games that I've got written down here, but what are, what are you looking at that you particularly think are interesting or matchups that you like? Well, I got my upset special, which that was one of the ones I did get right. 
but, you know, because of the fans coming back, it didn't help a lot of these home teams, but I, I picked the, I had the Raiders beating the, the Ravens on Monday night and man, what talk about having two great primetime games uh, for in week one, uh, the Bucks and what they did and, and that, uh, that Ravens Raiders game. I thought that the crowd would be crazy in Vegas and it certainly was, and it helped them. Uh, you know, they win in overtime, you know, this week, assuming the Cowboys don't have the other half of their, their uh, roster get hurt between now and then they've gotten, get, getting kind of dinged up here, losing a, a great pass rusher in practice. Um, but I, I got them up, you know, winning uh, at the chargers, which, you know, it's in LA, but uh, you know, for the chargers game, I, I kind of see that as a Cowboys home game on the, in the, on the West coast, because, you know, just knowing LA fans and how they, you know, they're not, they're not the best football fans in the world. Um, I like that. Uh, you know, I, I'm really talking about the NFC North. I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what, uh, what happens in Chicago. Um, I got a feeling that, you know, the bears are going to handle them and that's going to make that Vikings loss look even worse. Uh, but, uh, you know, seeing Andy Dalton play against the, the Bengals would be kind of fun to watch. Uh, yeah, I think there's still a lot, a lot of games in this, this second week that just based on what happened in the first week, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I think you're right. The Vikings fans, you, you always watch. So I had that Bears game kind of circled because of that and because it's an NFC North game. And all of those NFC North teams lost in um, in week one. So no ground loss. But yeah, if, if you know, and conversely, if Cincinnati is able to beat the Bears too, then you're kind of wondering, okay, is Cincinnati more real than we thought? And or, you know, are the Bears even worse than we thought? Because I, you know, I wasn't terribly impressed with, with, what the bears did in week one. I think they, the defense, and again, the, the Rams will make a lot of defenses look silly this year, probably, but the defense looked like it maybe has some slippage there. Did you, did you find that to be the case with Chicago? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, they couldn't, uh, Sean McVay couldn't have planned it any better for week one because, you know, their, their one hole that they wanted to, to fill was a down, down the field passer. And, uh, you know, uh, I think there was a stat there where Matthew Stafford had a, had a perfect passer rating, three touchdowns and over 200 yards passing on balls that went 10 yards or further down the field. So uh, you wouldn't expect that against uh, the Bears defense. So you wouldn't expect him to, to be, I mean, having the deep ball that good. I mean, to be perfect going down the field. Uh, yeah, so it, it'll be, you know, the, and the Bengals, obviously, I, I believe they have a better pass rush, but do they have it? to the extent of what the Vikings allowed them to do. I mean, people say dumb penalties. Yeah. The, the five false starts were dumb penalties. The six holding calls, uh, five of which were accepted were just offensive linemen that aren't good enough right now, trying to block guys that are better athletically than they are. And, you know, at, when you, when you're not getting beat, you're probably getting held. You're, you're holding. So uh, that was just a horrendous performance by the Vikings. Now, if, uh, will that change? Uh, against the Cardinals. I mean, I don't know. Chandler Jones has five, had five sacks. Um, you know, JJ Watt is, this is a bad time to be playing JJ Watt because he's not hurt yet. Um, so yeah, it, to me, it's you got to look at the, at the, at the pass rush and can they hold up? Yeah. We talked about that on access Vikings podcast on Wednesday, like in terms of, like you said, two, two teams that you held in higher esteem than maybe the start of the year, Arizona and Seattle. Those are the next two on the schedule for the Vikings and Arizona in particular does not seem to present a very favorable matchup, whether it's 
you know, the way they shut down, you know, whether they, the way they got after Ryan Tannehill, whether, whether it's the way they shut down Derrick Henry or whether, you know, the way that Kyler Murray and kind of being a, a dual threat quarterback can stress a Mike Zimmer defense historically, this doesn't feel like the greatest time for them to get, you know, coming off of a frustrating opening loss. This does not feel like an ideal matchup in any way for the Vikings. This might be the worst matchup um, to, to put them up against, I think. Uh, this has a feeling of uh, when they went to New Orleans two years ago, and it was it's like you look at it and they, all the injuries they had, and the fact uh, eventually we found out that uh, Andrews and was their nickel corner, and uh, you just said there's no way they can win this game, and that's I actually picked them based on that, just saying that this is going to be an NFL game that where your a team is just so far up against it that they they rally and they they win the game. Uh, you know, it's hard to say that about the, about this game. I, I don't think there's any way they win it, um, but I have I have it closer than, you know, I think I had a six plus six, 30 to 24, something like that. Um, but man, I just don't see it. Uh, but, you know, things can change if, if, if the down and distance is, is manageable because then suddenly Dalvin cook becomes a big part of the game. And then suddenly Kirk Cousins has that play action available to him, and he's not just getting killed. And you know, Kirk is never going to be a guy that goes off script and runs around and, and creates things on his own. It's got to be—he's got to be part of the system. He's not going to be the leader of the system. Um, so if they control the down and distance, and Kyler Murray you know, gives him a couple opportunities with some turnovers, then it could change. So I'd say I see a close game just because I think you know, the Vikings are going to be a little, a lot cleaner this week. And that, uh, but I still see uh, Arizona at home. I I don't know how you pick against that. And the spread on that game, isn't that big, right? Is it three and a half or something like that? Was it the last line I saw or was it, is it bigger than that? I saw four, I think, uh, but I think it's a similar feeling. It's like, you know, I I don't think the Vikings, you know, the Vikings are, are better than what they showed. Yeah. Uh, maybe Arizona is not as good as what they showed and they're going to kind of meet in the middle. I think, uh, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be slapping, uh, you know, seven, eight points on it if I was uh, trying to judge all this sure. stuff. What about, you, you talked about the Packers a little bit. They lost 38 to three, just like you said, probably the most, definitely the most stunning outcome of the week and probably will be for several weeks to come unless they lose at home on Monday night football to the lions uh, this week, which is unlikely, but if we don't see more from Green Bay, even if they kind of scrape by and, you know, pull together a close win against Detroit, what, what's, what's it going to take to get us to the point where we're like, maybe Green Bay just has more issues than we think? Or when, when does Aaron Rodgers telling us to relax no longer carry the, uh, the weight that it does usually? Well, you know, I think they're, they're kind of already there, <laughs> you know, uh, that, uh, you know, they got, they got to prove, uh, you know, if they think of it, like you said, if they go to, if they play home, play at home against Green or against Detroit on Monday Night Football and struggle or or lose, or if they lose, certainly it's my goodness. And yeah, that's, you know, shoot all the red flags into the air if that happens. Um, but yeah, it was to me it was uh, yeah. Uh, right now, I guess if uh, if um, if Sean Payton can follow up with some more wins and have Jameis Winston play that way, you know, we might hand him Coach of the Year by midseason. Uh, based on how Jameis, you know, was before and, and then just how he, he played uh, in that game, you know, 
So, yeah, I mean, I think it's time to worry about the Packers. Sure. Um, but it's certainly, it's obviously not over. NFC North winner. How many wins are they going to have this year? Yeah, there'll, there'll be at least one uh, in went through week two, right? So unless they tie, unless the yes. Uh, yeah, right. So right now, yeah, the Vikings because they lost to an AFC team, they're they're in first place. So yeah. um, they might have to win below to, to in order to wrap it up. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I still think the Packers are you know, are going to get double digits. Um, I was, so I would say eleven, maybe eleven. What was the last thirteen? So eleven, yeah. twelve. Yeah, I think that's probably someone, someone will break out. I think the biggest lesson, the biggest lesson that we got to remember from from all this is don't overreact to week one. Even the Vikings, like Zimmer's, Mike Zimmer's teams have, even his best teams have struggled sometimes at the start of the year. You look at 2015, I think they were two and two after four games. I think, you know, 2017, did they start one and two that year or something like that? And they lost Dalvin Cook. And then all of a sudden they went on a run with Case Keenum playing well. And then even 2019, I think they were, they had all sorts of issues early on, and then they kind of rallied, pulled it together. So his best teams have shown some, have had some clunkers early on. So I guess not overreacting to any team, but especially the Vikings early on. Yeah, I remember. I don't know. When they went to Pittsburgh with Case in his first start, I believe, uh, and they lost, um, you know, everyone was on the ledge then. And, and it's almost like, well, just play for the draft pick, and it's not even the end of September. And I was like, you know, wouldn't you want to, like, fight a little bit before you give up. Uh, and then Case in his horseshoe just uh, kind of carried him through that season. It was kind of a, a fun season just because everything really seemed to go right. When Case was under throwing receivers, it was, you know, they weren't interceptions. They were, or, or whenever he was trapped, he ducked and he took off for a first down. And then obviously the, the miracle, but, you know, there's just still over and over. There's so many examples. I mean, Emmett Smith held out one year. They were, uh, Cowboys were 0 2, and then they won the Super Bowl. Uh, Belichick had a Super Bowl team that lost to Buffalo 31 to nothing in week one. They end the season by beating Buffalo in total Belichick fashion, 31, nothing go on and win the Super Bowl. So yeah, until you're, I guess, till you're Owen five or whatever it is, uh, you know, just keep fighting like the Vikings last year. I know they put a lot of miles on Dalvin, but when they were one and four or one and five or whatever it was and for them to fight back uh, with what they had, you know, available to him at that time was uh, was impressive, and it was fun to watch at the time. Yeah, it was, and will be fun to watch week two as well. Let's see if the Vikings can do anything in Arizona again. Tough matchup. Um, you know, sometimes you see the schedule at the start of the year. You're thinking, okay, this this game goes this way, this game goes that way. Then you see these teams on the field, and you're like, ah, games that we thought were easier are now tougher, and maybe vice versa. So. 0-2 hole would be tough to uh, tough to get out of, and I feel like they're going to be chasing that Bengals loss for a while this year just because that was one that you kind of had tabbed as a win, not a loss. Yeah, certainly. I mean, for them to, you know, I, I, when I watched it again on Monday, uh, frankly, I, I was amazed that, uh, you know, it was an overtime game, you know, just by, just by how the first half went and just all the penalties and just, uh, just being so out of sorts. And I really think that they – you know, had they, they lost control of that game at the end of that first half with those two 36-second windows where uh, the Bengals score to tie it up, the Vikings do one of those, Kirk, you know, it wasn't Kirk's fault because there was a penalty on Rashad Hill, but one of those cl- classic three and outs that take 36 seconds, and then they turn around and, you know, the defense goes back on the field and the Bengals score in 36 seconds and take a 14-7 with the ball in the second half. And then they score on that first drive and it's, 
after that point, you're, they started, started playing better, uh, cleaner, but by that time, the defense was worn out. Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, and the fact they were in a position to win that game was remarkable given all that. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. As always, Mark Craig, good stuff. We'll do this again next week, all right? All right, thanks, Michael. Good stuff from Mark Craig. As usual, we'll see if, uh, take his picks for what they're worth. If you want to fade him to try to make money, go ahead, but do it to your own risk. Mark's been doing this for a long time. One bad week, like the Packers would say, does not define your season. Back on Daily Delivery, John Marthaler. He's covering Minnesota United soccer for us right now and had the misfortune of watching whatever that was in uh, Kansas City the other night, 4 nothing loons loss, and it doesn't get much easier or lower stakes, I guess, uh, for Minnesota United coming up, does it, John? Yeah, they they had a week of three games this week where they were playing teams above them in the Western Conference standings. They've lost the first two now. I The first two were on the road in Seattle and at Kansas City, the aforementioned disaster. And I think what Adrian Heath said before the week, or I guess after the first game of the week, is he was hoping for four or five points out of this week, and now they're down to a maximum of three. But it really does make... Saturday's game against the Los Angeles Galaxy, a must win for them. Yeah, they've fallen below that seven spot. And again, there's there's season left, so it's not like, you know, desperation. But, you know, when you fall below that level, then it starts to be, well, every game that you lose is you're, you're, you're losing ground. And that's what they did the other night, right? Because they were sixth going in and then two teams jumped over them as, as the night went on. Yeah, they... I, about five weeks ago, they were playing the Galaxy at home, and right then they were thinking about jumping up into the top four of the Western Conference. They lost that day. They've been sort of struggling since then, and they it's really been going backwards to the point that now it's more about making the playoffs than, I think, jumping into those top four, which would get them a home playoff game. I, it's not to say it's impossible. The Galaxy, since that game... As much as the Loons have been struggling, I think they've got five points in the five games. I think the Galaxy have three points in those five games. So the Galaxy aren't running away with anything either, and the Loons could easily drag them back into this six- or seven-way battle for the last three three or four playoff spots. But it's got to happen soon. And big problem lately has been the offense. I know they gave up four goals against Kansas City, but a lot of their attacking players have been injured and those who have taken their place haven't been able to you know finish all that often what is the status of some of these key you know key players who you know had been driving some of the offense are they anywhere near a return soon yeah they their leading scorer was robin load he actually played against kansas city in the second half that was his first game back in sort of that aforementioned five-week period emmanuel reynoso who is obviously the key to everything they do offensively what Adrian he said after the game was that he just wasn't quite ready for Kansas City on Wednesday. They it was a game, not a game time decision, but a game day decision that they decided not to play him on Wednesday. So what he said after the game was that he should be ready for this weekend. Now, the the troubling thing is that you go back to the Houston game, which I think at this point was almost three weeks ago. Before that game, they were also saying the same optimistic things about, well, we got a two week break after this game. Hopefully everybody will be back on the field after that. And it seems like nobody got healthy over that two week break. And they had the exact same problems that they did before the break. They couldn't even fill out their bench against Kansas city. They're allowed nine spots on the bench and they only had six guys on the bench and two of them were goalkeepers.
And the goalies score, John. <laughs> they it's happened. It can happen. There's been a lot of speculation on which backup goalie would be the best potential striker, which sort of gives you an uh, indication of how the the online folks and the people on Twitter are feeling about the loons attack right now. Well, that's, a, you know, that brings me to a couple more things for you here as we wrap up. Um, one, like is our injuries, injuries are telling the story right now. Are the, is this team's problem deeper than that though? Or do you feel like once they get healthy, they've, you know, got a good chance to make the playoffs and not just make the playoffs, but be competitive and, you know, kind of, a, you know, have a chance at achieving the goals with preseason were to be a real contender in this Western conference. Yeah. I, once they do get healthy, I think it's a different team. I think you're talking about a different team. If everyone had stayed healthy and we're talking about a different scenario, if everyone had stayed healthy, that said, uh, they do, it has exposed slight depth problems in the sense that they've got a guy like Adrian Unu, who just, is really struggling right now, but he, he he starts every game and he plays most of the game. Now we're getting down to it in the season, probably what, like another 10 matches left or so. Is that about right? Yeah, I think, I think 11, I think the, the loons have played 23, just about everyone else around them has played 24. They'll, they'll make one up during the October international break. So still, still plenty of time, but it's starting to feel like, you know, and I wrote, uh, I wrote and talked about this a little bit the other day. Like this is a, this is a disappointing year. And again, you can point to injuries, but this, this feels to me like a team that had much loftier goals than just kind of muddling through the middle of this conference. I, I don't think it's a disappointing year yet. I think you, it really comes down to the playoffs. You, you look at back a couple of years, they had a home playoff game two years ago, and then they lost to the galaxy in the playoffs. That felt like a disappointing year just because they went nowhere. Then last year they get into the playoffs, they go on a run, they beat Kansas city in a, a cathartic game for anybody who's watched Minnesota, Kansas city games over the past few years, a cathartic game. And that feels like, like a successful season. So just getting into the playoffs and I, I think gives them a chance for success. So, and they're still, despite being below the line, I think they're still somewhat well positioned to do that. Big one against the galaxy this weekend, John Mothauer, good stuff. Follow his coverage, start to be and start to John, we'll do this again soon. All right. That'd be great. It's nice when you remember that the United exists. I'm a soccer guy. Soccer kisser upper. Soccer kisser upper. (laughs) I remember that. Enjoy that conversation with John Marthaler. As always, big one for the Loons this weekend. I will be watching, and I hope you are too. Let's finish with the cooler. History made on Thursday night. Gophers and St. Thomas played in volleyball. First time. St. Thomas and the Gophers have played each other in any sport as Division I opponents. Gophers cruise to a three-set win. Doesn't really matter, though. The biggest thing is the history of it. And as, you know, as we think about St. Thomas building their program, can they become a rival to the Gophers in some sports, including volleyball, basketball? It's going to take some time, but it could be a pretty cool thing for this state if and when that develops. That'll do it for me this week and on this day. Join me on Monday. Expected to have Patrick Royce talking more Vikings, Vikings at Arizona on Sunday, talking Gophers, Gophers at uh, Colorado on Saturday. Should be a fun weekend of sports. Get outside, too, if you would. And while you're outside, maybe listen to this podcast, download it, write a review. I don't know. That's your business, not mine. We'll see you on Monday.